This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Let's get at it. It's a Wednesday. It's a hump day. It's a hot day. My goodness, 85 degrees today. As I was driving around the Midlands, headed over to USC for the press conference with the uh, coordinators today, listening to uh, what they had to say about uh, the Gamecocks and their win last week and uh, getting ready for Vanderbilt. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is going to talk to the media here shortly. We'll keep an ear out for that and uh, hear what he has to say about his team, any injury updates and things like that. Uh, Tonight, another edition of Chalk Talk with Coach Ellis Johnson, Coach Chuck Reedy, uh, we'll have that for you. And perhaps we'll drop in some pieces from the Gamecocks uh, and the Tigers tonight. It's signing day for the early signing period for all sports except uh, football. And South Carolina Clemson signing their uh, committed players uh, to this point. Uh, No surprises or anything like that to uh, tell you about uh, thus far. And uh, we got some news notes to pass along and some recruiting notes to pass along. And your phone calls that we'll get into right away. The phone number, uh, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Here in Columbia, Phil Kornblute and Pat Daniel. Over in Sardis at the Bergie Palace with the uh, gate closed and the fences tall. It is uh, Chris <laughs> Bergen. And a little shout-out little shout out to your former uh, – employer where you did play-by-play the presbyterian college blue that? hose huh i was so happy for them last night i was watching that ball game and gosh the uh, the announcers that espn or sec plus whoever had that uh you'd be surprised that pc was on the floor uh they didn't they barely referenced it anytime pc would score who scored the ball but they could certainly tell you everything you needed to know about vanderbilt but just an outstanding effort by them last night for a team that had not won a game this calendar year to put that into perspective, I mean, PC has struggled mightily the last couple of seasons on the basketball floor, and for them to go out and uh, really take it to Vanderbilt, they were the more physical team. They were better on defense. They made some outside shots. They were the more aggressive team than Vandy. You take Mayan out of the mix for Vanderbilt. Uh, I tell you, it's going to be some soul-searching done in Nashville for that team. I, I realize it's early, mm-hmm. obviously extremely early, but uh, Coach Stackhouse has got some work to do to uh, rejuvenate that team after last night for sure. Well, maybe it's a wake-up call. Maybe the guys will you know, look inside themselves and realize, hey, we're, we're not all that. We've got to go back to work. It is basketball. Uh, these games, I'm not going to say these games in November, December, Prior to conference play, I'm not going to say they don't mean anything because when it comes down to uh, late February, March, and you're vying for at large mm-hmm. spots, and you go back and you do the net and you look at you know a loss here, a win like there, a Q1 nice here, year. a Q2 here, yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to say that it's they're meaning meaningless, but um, uh, for most of them, the ones who we pretty much know are going to be in the tournament, and, and you know who those. Uh, well, how many can you pretty much pencil in now for the tournament? Let's see. There's 
there's 30, 31 automatic qualifiers and 30, 31 automatic and 38 at large. Am I right about that uh, numbers-wise? That's what, 68 teams 60, to get in. 68, so. 69 or 68? I think it's 68. 32 and 36, isn't it? Yeah. I believe that's right. And and to Vanderbilt's defense, they had a couple of players that weren't available for them that I think will make a big difference. That said, though, and, and we talked about it last season, Clemson got left out of the NCAA tournament, not because of the good wins they had, but the bad losses. And this one for Vanderbilt is going to hang around them like an albatross all season long. It's going to, unless PC just goes on a tremendous run this season, and we certainly hope they do. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's probably going to be a bad loss that may come back to haunt Vanderbilt first game of the year may haunt them in March. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Football-wise, uh, South Carolina getting ready for Vanderbilt. This is uh, get-right time for the Gamecocks. So, look, uh, they got by Jacksonville State, didn't play their best, had a good performance from their quarterback and their star receiver. I think you can expect more of the same Saturday against Vanderbilt. And, yeah, I know Vanderbilt's got some good numbers in this and good numbers in that, but still. It's Vanderbilt. They're winless in the SEC. There's no reason to think they're going to beat the Gamecocks in Columbia. South Carolina should cover. Of course, I said they'd cover Jacksonville mm-hmm. State, but we I'm going to. I'm doubling down, and they should cover. <laughs> they should cover this uh, against Vanderbilt. Um, and now you know you got a little momentum. You're catching Kentucky at a great time. Kentucky's got to play Alabama this weekend, so you know they're putting all their all their energy and juices into that game. Um, if they, you know, regardless of if they win or they lose, I guess if they win, they'll come into South Carolina very confident. If, if Alabama beats them up and you get a downtrodden Kentucky team at night in Columbia, I like the Gamecocks chances. So let's just say they beat Vandy, they beat Kentucky. Then they're right there. One went away from bowl eligibility with Clemson. Uh, coming to uh, Columbia for what I hope will be uh, at least a late afternoon kick, if not a night kick. I think they'll put that game under the lights when they break it all down. I think they'll put that game under the lights. And now you got Clemson, and we got, we'll have a couple of weeks to break it all down. Right now I would pick Clemson to beat South Carolina. I just think that um, Clemson's defense, I just I can't get past the, how good their defense you know, still is despite their injuries. They're still sure. very good in South Carolina. We know they've struggled – up front on the offense, and I think that um, Xavier Leggett's going to have a hard time, have a hard time um, finding some open spots against that Clemson defense. Now, maybe the maybe uh, Shane Beamer uh, has an ace in the hand that he's holding that, that card, that ace card he's holding, and that's Juice Wells. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe Juice Wells. Who knows how healthy he is? I mean, it's it's complete secret uh, secret. And, you know, could he show up against Kentucky? Could he show up in the Clemson game? And that would help. Of course, uh, Simon's coming on and and giving them something. He was targeted 11 times, had caught seven balls against Jacksonville State. You get Trey Knox back healthy. You got a Marion Brown. So, you know, they'll be about as healthy as they can be at wide receiver, with the exception of Wells, whether or not he can play by the time Clemson comes into town. The point is, Chris – uh, take care of business uh, next couple of weeks, uh, and you got a chance to. If they get, if they finish November, they say they remember November, right? Uh, if you can finish with four wins in November and sneak into a bowl game at six and six, that's quite an accomplishment considering the way the season has played out for Shane Beamer. 
No doubt. Uh, and I think it would actually uh, sort of boost the spirits of all Gamecock fans and probably help them a little bit in recruiting where we're starting to see some players that uh, you felt like were strong commits to the Gamecocks now starting to look elsewhere. Maybe you finish up strong and, you know, you run into a situation where, hey, maybe Shane Beamer did rank the ship despite the injuries. Look at what they were able to accomplish. And maybe Spencer Rattler goes out and says, look, I set the table. I set the foundation for this program. Now you guys take it to the next level. So are you looking at the potential of a Willis Reed type performance from Juice Wells against Clemson? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> like I, I, don't, seven. I don't think they <laughs> – I hear what you're saying. I don't think they put him out there, you know, it limping and dragging a leg like Willis Reed did. Um, if he's healthy uh, – but, you know, they thought he was healthy when they put him in against Georgia right. and he got down there for one series, caught a touchdown pass, and, and was done. He's just – he's got something freaky going on with that foot that's required specialist to take a look at it. And, you know, you don't want to risk it. This guy's got a – he's got a pro future – and you don't want to endanger that. So we're just going to have to wait and see how much does he want to play too. You know, we're getting down towards that time of the season where these guys who, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to go to marquee bowls. They're not going to the playoffs. Uh, the guys who are thinking about their pro careers, they just might be thinking about, you know, I appreciate everything. I love it, but I'm just going to sit it out and, and get healthy and start thinking about my NFL mm-hmm. career, you know especially if they lose another game and they're not going to a bowl game. That's, that's what you would worry about if, if they were to stub, stub their toe against either Vanderbilt or lose to Kentucky. And then they virtually have outside of beating Clemson, which is a huge prize for which to play. But outside of that, yeah, you, you start looking at a situation where several players, heck, we've seen them even when they've had good seasons, players sitting out bowl games to start looking forward to their future. Though I do wonder, Phil, in the back pocket of this, how well NIL play into all of this. Maybe you don't have to go chase the money in the NFL because you're being handsomely compensated at the collegiate level. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and finish out my collegiate career because I'm actually making pretty good money here. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think that would, depending on the feedback you're getting from the NFL people and mm-hmm. the kind of money you think you can make, you know, if you're going to be, if you've got eligibility left and you're going to be, what, a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, which Wells. He had the great year last year, but you haven't seen him this year. I wonder how much that has impacted his rating uh, and his standing among the NFL people uh, looking ahead to the draft. You know, do you draft him knowing what he can do, but also knowing he's damaged goods? Uh, and how healthy is he, and how likely is he to uh, re-injure that foot? That's something you have to consider when you're when you're drafting. I don't know that NFL front offices would go that route. I mean, as much as they prod and poke and, you know, do all these things during the combine and, and check out everything from mental health all the way through physical health, I think that would certainly hurt Juice if he can't prove to NFL scouts. And maybe he does it in, in the, uh, you know, workouts during the offseason, the, the combines and the NFL, you know, practices that they have on campus. Maybe he can prove it then. But, yeah, I think it would obviously behoove him if he can get back on the field before the season is over if he is contemplating going to the NFL this year for what it's worth nfldraftbuzz.com they do a great job and they do work with a lot of the folks you see on tv a lot of the quote-unquote prognosticators and predictors and whatever for the nfl draft they currently have juice wells as the 15th ranked wide receiver that could leave this year to go into the draft curious while looking that up i also found uh, xavier leggett is currently the eighth ranked wide receiver going into the draft well i'll tell the nfl people the same thing I told them on this show when Debo Samuel was coming out. And what I said 
prior to that draft when Debo Samuel was coming out, and I'll quote myself, quote, you're an idiot if you don't draft Debo Samuel if you've got <laughs> an opportunity in the first round. You will be an idiot. You will regret it, end quote. That was my exact quote, quoting myself. Mm-hmm. So I'll say the same thing here about Xavier Leggett. Coming from a program, of course, that doesn't have the reputation of some others. But players are players, and ballers are ballers. Oh, yeah. And gamers are gamers. And, my goodness, this kid has found it this year somewhere, somehow, whether it's internal or coaching. Um, And listening to uh, Dowell Loggins talk about him today, I mean, he's just – he loves the kid. And he said he's the hardest – well, I'm not going to put words in his mouth – uh, if not the hardest, one of the hardest workers on the team. And we'll just spend whatever time is necessary, put in whatever effort is necessary to get it right and do it right. And y- you see when healthy how good he is and catches everything. So I'll say it again. If you got a chance to select Xavier Leggett, that I know the Panthers coaching staff listens to this show religiously, Pat, so they hear everything you say. Uh, if you got a chance to take Xavier Leggett, you should do it. You're going to regret it if you pass on it. He's got all – he's Alshon Jeffrey number two to me. That's who he reminds me of, his ability wow. to go up okay. and high point yeah. the ball. No, you're right. You're right. His ability to – Physical wide receiver. Physical, yeah. carry defenders with him. Yeah, that's that's who I can. He may be to. faster than than Alshon too. Probably. I mean, we've watched him a couple of times. He he, you know, even step with the defensive back and he just leaves them. I mean, he runs away from these guys. I mean, the the improvement he has probably made since he left Mullins to come to South Carolina is probably in his speed. Uh, obviously, he's worked out in the weight room and, and turned, you know, what was baby fat in high school into college muscle. But aside from that, I think probably his speed has been one of his great improvements for yeah. him because, I mean, he he takes the ball and you better knock him down as soon as he catches it because if not, you're not running him down from behind. Now, Clemson getting ready for Georgia Tech and the Tigers uh, two touchdown favorites at home against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's an improved team and they've played some good football here of late and they're still, well, they're on the the edge of the ACC race. I, I don't think they're going to, you know, be a factor here uh, towards the end of the season. But they've made themselves uh, they've they've made themselves uh, noticeable uh, with their play of late. And of course, you got to remember with their record, they had that gift win at Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't take it away from them, but yeah, you can take it away from them. I mean, they should be four and five instead. They're five and four. They should be three and three instead. They're four and two. Um, However, they got a that very nice win over uh, North Carolina, uh, and they just whipped up on Virginia at Virginia at a time when Virginia was starting to look pretty good. So, uh, and they beat um, uh, they beat Miami. Somehow they lost to Boston College in between. So they've won three of their last four, uh, and they've got that quarterback who transferred in from Texas A and M, who's been playing some really good football for them, uh, Haynes King. You're going to have to deal with him. He's passed for over 2,300 yards. Uh, he has passed for 22 touchdowns. He has thrown 10 interceptions. He's also a runner. He's their second leading rusher, 545 yards, five touchdowns. So Clemson defending a running athletic quarterback. And then offensively, uh, who do they go to or does it matter? Moffa, Shipley, Shipley, Moffa. Nothing wrong with having two very productive running backs. 
Well, and I will help since you were giving some NFL draft advice. I will help Garrett Riley. He doesn't need much help, but I will help him here. If Cade Klubnick throws the football more than 10 times, you don't have a very good game plan against these guys. This is the second worst rush defense in the country, not in the ACC, in the country. Mm. They, they give up 220 yards rushing, and whether, or not it, and whether or not Will Shipley can go, it doesn't matter. Just give Phil Moffa the football until he falls over, have him sub somebody else in there, let him run until he falls over, and then put Moffa back in. They should, they should be able to rush for 250 yards against Georgia Tech on Saturday. It's a pretty small um, defensive line as defensive lines go, uh, 6'4", about 279. That's, that's light by defensive line standards. Clemson's offensive line averages 6'5", 312, depending on who they put in there. So the Tigers, I would imagine, and I think you're right, I think after what they did against Notre Dame, if they can line up and move those guys, they got to feel like they can line up and move these guys and just run the ball and make Cade Klubnick, um, well, make him an, kind of an afterthought in the offense. Um, don't put the game on his shoulders. Put the game on the shoulders of the running backs and then let Klubnick kind of pick and choose uh, as a play caller. You kind of pick and choose those points when you need Klubnick to make a play with his with his arm. That's how I would approach it. Yeah, this should be the easiest Saturday afternoon Kate Klubnick has had in a Clemson uniform. Just take the snap, hand it off, and watch your running backs from the back because uh, there's no way Georgia Tech stops them on the ground, especially what we have seen from Moffa and a healthy Will Shipley. The only, the only problem Clemson's had in the run game is protecting the football. If they don't fumble it four or five times, mm-hmm. there's no way, in my opinion, that Georgia Tech can stop them offensively because their run defense is so porous. Okay, our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. Pat, uh, before we jump to the calls, uh, you're getting fired up about Thursday night football, Panthers at Bears. You're kind of getting into uh, game mode <laughs> at this point in time, just checking. I th- I'm almost at that point of the season where I think listeners that have heard me rant about the Panthers before know my feelings on David Tepper. And I read an interesting article today and a bunch of quotes from Adam Schefter where he was talking about he's expecting huge changes in Charlotte. Even though this is the first year of a brand-new coaching staff, he's fully expecting there to be very large changes and almost a reset of that franchise again. And as a Panthers fan, Chris and I talk about this all-fair all the time. I just want to beat my head against the wall. It's just... You you mortgaged your future to bring in the number one overall pick. You traded away your best offensive player, and now you have no you have no draft capital moving forward. You've handed the Bears two top five picks next year, and now on Thursday night, I'm almost pulling for DJ Moore to come in and have a monster game just to rub it in David Tepper <laughs> and the Panthers' face. Like that 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 is where I am at now as a Panthers fan. Well, I think this is all you need to know, and I, and I don't. I don't. I saw this on Twitter or or X, so I, this is not an original thought. But apparently, Tepper owns the professional soccer team there in Charlotte, right? Yeah, and uh, yep. he, he just fired the coach there who who led him to the playoffs, and that's oh, like the third. He's had it's been there like three years, and he's had like three head coaches. So, I mean, his hands-on management is the kind of hands-on management from an owner in the sports world that continues to set back your franchise, whatever it happens to be. You keep changing coaches over and over again. I mean, just look where the Panthers have gone since um, they parted ways with um, – uh, what's his face? 
Ron Rivera? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Hadn't been great. Things, things weren't going great, but I've always believed that if you've had a successful coach and, he, and you like him, but things sort of, you know, drop a little bit, you give him a chance to fix it. Did they give him enough time? And did the uh, management and everybody else, were they good enough in, t- in the interior to draft the people, put together a roster that's good enough to help them come back from where they were? And, you know, they parted ways with him, and then uh, it was a disaster for the, the following three years, and this has been a disaster. So you're talking about, what, four years of, a, of, dis- of ongoing disaster since then. So, okay, let's well, take I some mean, phone calls. I mean, Matt Rule, yep. and it is proof positive what Pat was saying about David Tepper. He wanted to put his own stamp on the franchise, and he wanted to put the new shiny toy in position to do well. And I, I'm not sure many people thought the Matt Rule hire was going to be a good one. Yeah, he was a good college coach. We've seen, you know, Steve Spurrier was a really, really good college coach. Horrible in the NFL. Same thing with Matt Matt Rule, but he was the new shiny toy on the block, and David Tepper wanted to make a statement, and he misfired. And now I'm not so sure Frank Wright's the answer either. And then one more note, too, on that, just to harp again on the draft capital. Again, you trade away your best wide receiver, your best offensive player. You now basically hand the Bears a top-five pick this year, maybe top-three pick, and now your most valuable asset. So the Panthers have no first-round picks next year to try to rebuild. And now your most valuable asset on the team remaining was on your defensive side of the ball, Brian Burns. And there were reports from Adam Schefter and all other reputable sources that teams were calling the Panthers offering multiple first-round picks for the guy, which is unbelievable. And so if you are now admitting basically as a franchise that you're going to rebuild again, wouldn't you want to go like offset some of your uh, assets, some of your most expensive toys, and try to recoup some assets in the back and try to get some draft capital? It's just... Every, every decision they're making seems to defy logic and is just very, very puzzling and frustrating. But let me say this. Let me say this. So I was recently uh, going up 77 to Charlotte for the ACC basketball tip-off, and uh, I saw the brand-new uh, interchange where the Panthers' headquarter was supposed to be. <laughs> There's another and, and, mess. And I, and I will say that it is a pretty interchange. <laughs> As interchanges go, our tax dollars – they have been spent on the very finest of uh, cement and uh, design and everything else for a beautiful interchange. Now, I don't know if you get off what you're going to go to over there because there's no Panthers headquarters. There's no hotel. There's no training center. There's no, uh, what, they were going to put an arena out there or something. All this kind of stuff that was supposed to be there, and this interchange was supposed to be you know, part of that magnificent development. Well, none of it's there, but the interchange looks nice uh, where they are right now. So, for and of course, Tepper didn't. How much did he spend on that interchange? Uh, let me answer that for you. That'd be zero. Yeah, that's um, my interchange. That's your interchange. <laughs> Wonder if the those contractors ever got paid too. By the way, <laughs> oh, there's that too. Yeah, quickly, let's jump to the phones. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Pat, where are we going? Oh, all right. So first, we are going to visit with Gamecock Larry of over in Swansea. We are. And Larry is in incognito mode, by the way, using a different phone number. You didn't recognize him, huh? No, I had him saved in here. He's, uh, he's uh, using a friend's phone. All right, Gamecock Larry, got about a minute before the break. Fire away. Okay, give me a minute. I'm going to shout out to the motocross team. Gamecock Jace won his first two races, got eight to go. Now, Phil, don't cut me off. I'm going to talk about your main man. Uh, Dabo, this ain't Tyler from Spartanburg. 
This is Gamecock Larry from Swansea, South Carolina. Why don't you put me on when I call you? I know why you don't put me on. Because you don't want, you a tiger. And you don't want nothing to do with Gamecock Larry. That's about all I got to say, Phil Dabo. Gamecock Larry from Swansea is on the line. What's that number? What's that number for Dabo's call-in show, Gamecock Larry? 1-800-CALL-DABO. My number is 1-900-CALL-GAMECOCK-LARRY. Go Gamecock. Uh, Gamecock Larry is charging 25 cents a minute when you call his 900 line. <laughs> you might get more than you expect. I was going to say, we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> All right, we'll continue with phone calls coming up after the break. Be right back. All right, back to your phone calls in just a second. Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. So we got one basketball game in the state tonight involving a state team, and that will be the Winthrop Eagles. Uh, they will be at home to take on Brevard. Winthrop opened up the season with a loss at Clemson, and they'll play uh, Brevard tonight, seeking to get even. But you know what? You can't take anything for granted, Piedmont, as we well know. <laughs> huh? Uh, exactly. Exactly. And that's a quick turnaround uh, this early in the year for Winthrop to play on Monday and then back at it tonight. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it is basketball. You know, you can play back-to-back nights on no, basketball. I know. You, know, you so. rarely do, though, unless it's a tournament. Yeah. 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 But especially this early in the year, you hardly ever see teams going, you know, 48 hours between games. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of other things to mention, and our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number, uh, Ron Washington has been hired as the new manager of the Angels, so that leaves a gaping hole there on the Braves staff as he leaves and did a great job there with the Braves. Uh, this came out yesterday. Clemson uh, standout offensive lineman of your Jeff Bostic, part of the ACC Honors class for this year part of the group to be celebrated during the weekend of the ACC championship game in Charlotte. I saw this today, and somebody will need to kind of explain to me what this is all about. So the ESPN Women's Hoops website reported an independent review revealed several referee errors marred last season's NCAA Women's Championship game between LSU and Iowa. Okay, so the NCAA had a committee look at it, and uh, this was something they apparently they were going to do beginning in 24, but because apparently there were so many complaints about the officiating in this game, they instituted this review a year early, and they found out, according to this report, that the officials, normally they grade out at about 91% accuracy, and the, these officials that worked that game graded out at 88%. Okay, no big deal. But Don Staley put out a tweet connected to that story. 
And she wrote the following, quote, So the independent review was done under anonymity, but it is known who the officials were, all black and brown-skinned women. Now that they're thrown under the bus, let's not run them over, end quote. And I read that, and I thought to myself, why do you tweet that? And Maybe somebody can explain to me. The, why does the race of the officials matter? That's what I'm saying. If they're why, good officials, why, they're good officials. If they're bad officials, they're bad officials. Why does Dawn Staley feel the need to play the race card on something yeah, like this? Either. I mean, I know she is uh, – I know she believes that she's untouchable, which, you know, nobody's untouchable, but she can certainly believe that because she's black, she's a woman, and she wins championships, and she makes millions of dollars. I'll give her that. But this just, as you would say, makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, why you would throw that tweet out there, the the race of the officials, unless she's insinuating that the review was done simply because the race of the officials that had it been three white officials, they wouldn't have instituted this review. Is is that what she's saying? Or is she saying because they were black and brown, as she put it, skinned women, um, they don't need to be criticized, as she said, thrown under the bus. Now, let's don't run run them over. In other words, back off on the criticism of them. So as if it were three white officials who got the same kind of uh, review and they did not do a particularly good job that nobody should criticize them. My point is, where is she going with playing the race card here when it's absolutely, as I see it from where I sit, absolutely not required, not necessary. Regardless of your skin color, if you're a good official, you should be praised for it. And if you're a bad official, you should not be working the national championship game. Now, my question, too, about take that out of the mix with regards to this review, when they go through it and find out that they were 88 percent in terms of correct calls, did that favor LSU? And is are, are we insinuating now that LSU won because of the ineptitude of the officials or was LSU no, the game, still the better team? The game was a matter? blowout. The game was a blowout. Right. So there was no single call that you know steered the game in one direction or the other. And of course, Gamecock. Fans who have uh, responded to this are, are like, well, you should have looked at the the earlier game between Iowa and South Carolina and reviewed that one. They only did the championship game. They didn't do the semifinal games. Sure. But we're getting off my, the track that I'm on here is I'm just wondering, what is Dawn Staley doing? I mean, what is what is her point, you know, when you throw something out there like that? It's so, it's so easy. Apparently, it's so easy today to play the race card in almost any situation. Nobody was questioning the race of the officials. I couldn't even tell you who the uh, – certainly I, I could. Yeah. How many people could even tell you uh, the, the race of those officials or who they were from last year? So, I mean, I think she's wrong in, in putting out a tweet like that. And uh, it hasn't stirred up a bunch of reaction, but um, at least on Twitter or X and social media – but it caught my attention, and I'm just like, what? Why, why do you, could you see what would happen if Dabo Sweeney or, or Shane Beamer were to throw out a, a, some kind of a post like, well, Sweeney doesn't post, but uh, throw out something on social media related to race and officials and stuff like that? It'd be all hell and breaking a college loose. football playoff? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be a story for months. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's something else where you can, uh, what's your favorite line? I, I don't know. I have several. No, your your number one favorite line. <laughs> oh, is that the one you keep referencing? It makes no sense. Yeah. Well, the the, the senior bowl has announced oh, that yes. this juniors no are sense. eligible for their game. 
the, the senior bowl will now take juniors. So I, I guess they're going to be the the senior junior senior <laughs> junior bowl. Are there not enough senior eligible players I to make up two teams? I don't know. I don't know. I guess they look at so many juniors who are heading to the draft. You might as well go ahead and bring them in, Pat. Also, not, and apologies, I don't believe you said this yet, Phil. Following along with uh, Chapel Fowler here of the state and John Blau with the Post and Courier. I guess Dabo Sweeney must be talking right now. Maybe doing his post practice. Yeah, he is. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does well, every Wednesday night. He's interview. Uh, sorry, he's uh, he's updated a few things uh, on the injury front, saying on running back Will Shipley, quote, he looked good at practice. He looked good. He's been able to go all week. We're trending in a good direction there. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like Shipley is trending towards playing this weekend. And then also when asked about defensive tackle Tamani Capehart, who had a pretty nice game against Notre Dame. Uh, let's think. He said he's. Figured some things out. He's going to be a great one. Everyone's looking for uh, for guys like him. Apologies. I thought that was going to be an injury thing. Then he also talked about defensive end Justin Maskell with an undisclosed injury. Has been able to practice this week. Quote, hopefully no setbacks. He's doing good. Capehart did look good. It might have been his best game as a Tiger, I, I think. Um, and that gives him an extra big guy to put in there on that defensive line. So that's that's good for him. He's finally getting a chance to show his stuff. All right, back to the phone calls. We appreciate the patience, 888-898-2525. Tiger Bryan in Lancaster. Tiger Bryan, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. You know what? Mm. Y'all, you said everything I wanted to say when I heard that about Staley. Look, it ain't about no white and black thing. I mean, we all got our children, man. And, hey. Listen to me now. Y'all mm-hmm. gonna love this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all all, hey, y'all my brothers from a different mother. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. Cause you know why like, my buddy called in as I did last night. Well, he's a he was <laughs> sharp. I tell you, you got some very sharp friends. Or he's a cousin, right? Aren't y'all oh. kin? No, he's my brother from a different mother, just like y'all. You okay. know what I mean? All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He works at school. Does he's a supervisor? Yeah. Yes, I retired. I got him on there. Well, you know he's a gamecock. You do you do realize he's he's a gamecock now. He's a gamecock. Oh, he's a gamecock. Oh, his his whole people's gamecock. Yeah, Yeah. but that don't. That's what I say. I I I look gamecock people like gamecock Larry. I was glad to hear him like you know me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah I've been praying for him because you know, hey, it's all about hey. It ain't about it's about the game. The kids got to play, yeah. But I tell you what, Moffat needs to be running the back, and Shipley needs to be a wideout. I mean, I just yeah. Well, it, it ain't just, that easy as we've seen. It just it just it's just not all that easy. Um, I mean, you can listen. I, I agree with what Sweeney said yesterday. You know, don't have amnesia when it comes to Shipley. Shipley is done. A lot of good things, and he's a very talented running back. Um, you know, so fumbles aside, he gets yardage. He gets tough yards. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. You're just not going to shun him and push him to the side. There's nothing wrong with having two proven quality running backs. I just think the one thing you do now is you give Moffa more carries. There's no question that you got to work him. As he said, maybe you go with the hot hand, but you can always have yourself a fresh running back in the ball game between these two guys. Yep, yep. Well, we can get shape. 
our defense playing lights out too, Corn. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you what, y'all mm-hmm. guys, hey, y'all put a great show every night. I listen to it. Thank I you. I appreciate y'all guys, man. Hey. Thank you. Yeah, I hope, hey, I hope y'all still talking on sports talk when I before I take my last breath. Well, let's don't. I mean, we we expect that to be a good thirty years down the road, and uh, uh, okay. yeah, 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 right, yeah. And so, uh, damn, yeah. Hey, hey. Well, I'm gonna tell you, what, I'm gonna listen to the day I die, brother. Well, I tell you hey, what, you know what we'll do? The the day we lower you six feet, we'll put a little transistor radio in the coffin there with you, like we did with Tiger hey. Wayne. Put a little transistor. Hey, hey, there you go. And you can hey. listen to I'm us put, wherever I'm you happen to be. I'm gonna put that in my wheel for put y'all that, have to do it. Put that in your wheel. If you need a hey, if you need a good wheel, Jim Corbett can write you up a good wheel, okay? Yeah. So Yeah. Give yeah, him, well I got him. I got a good lawyer. You got a good lawyer. He's gonna got me. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to put that on one of my side kicks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tiger Brian. Let's let's hope we don't have to do that anytime soon. Yeah, hey. We hey, I'm good, man. I know but I appreciate y'all guys, man. Y'all my hey, y'all hey. Y'all, brother, y'all, my brothers from a different mother. Yep. Well, who knows? Hey, Tiger Brian, we might have the same mother. You never know. No, I know my mother. She wasn't like that. Now. Okay. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Y'all have a good one, you my friend. You have a good one. Appreciate that. Didn't mean to get personal with you there, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Pat, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> Why does this come to me? Because <laughs> you got you got that smile on your face got like nothing. Oh, I'm, I'm just grinning at y'all's back and forth there. Like the, <laughs> not like sure. I'm gonna stay out of that conversation. Like the, you look like the canary that ate the bird. <laughs> Bad, I just stuck my size 11 down my throat. Uh, what you got? Hey, what's up, guys? Well, uh, we can either do one more caller here. we got a great one coming up I'd like to take. Uh, I think Chris will, too, or we do need to hit this break. But why don't we go ahead and visit over in Camden with friend of the program, Keith. Keith in Camden. Fop. Friend of program. Hello, Keith. How are you? Hey, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Doing great. Good to uh, have you with us. Good. Yeah. Enjoy every night. Um my uh, purpose of the call is related to the Panthers, but just one thing on your comment on Dawn. Um, y- you know, we live we live in a world today to where it's just crazy. Nobody has respect, uh, love of God, love of neighbor. Uh, and, and if you feed that and the university tolerates that, and I, I'm even uh, apologetic for even bringing it up, but uh, somebody needs to reel her in, and that hasn't happened, and that's the reason we see these continual comments. And it doesn't do anybody any good, uh, right or wrong. It doesn't help. But my, my question is, related back to the Panthers, growing up a Falcon fan, and when the Panthers, you know, we heard – was coming to Charlotte, a bunch of us went in, got in the lottery, and was going to get tickets, and they're going to put it on the South Carolina-North Carolina border. They raised $25 million from South Carolina, and you know the end of the story. It ends up in downtown Charlotte, the fiasco in Rock Hill, (laughs) and it's just so disappointing uh, because I wanted to be a part of that, but I've realized that just people loaded with money is what I call stupid money. 
it doesn't make you uh, a successful owner. And it's so unfortunate that the Panthers just, for whatever reason, can't get out of their way. And it could be such a blessing to this state. But from day one, I felt like we were the stepchild. Mm-hmm. The uh, stepchild, the way they handled that. But um, hopefully, uh, I mean, this guy's loaded with money, and it's the same old thing. And it's just like Arthur Smith. You know, by gosh, I mean, I'm a Falcon fan, and it's miserable. Uh, he can't get out of his way either. So um, I'll hang up and listen y'all have a good evening thank you thank you yeah that's it's too bad what's happened there i mean me personally i mean i like the downtown stadium i think the stadium is beautiful in downtown Mm -hmm. charlotte charlotte is a beautiful city it is a beautiful city yes and Stadium's beautiful, and I know you know it was supposed to be maybe built on the border and stuff in South Carolina. I do think that it stinks what happened with these plans, and that would have been big for South Carolina to have their offices and their training over there in Rock Hill off 77. That would have been a nice carrot for our state as partners. But you know what? I knew from the get that the Panthers – were a North Carolina-centric organization. I mean, just listen to their radio network. Their commercials are, by and large, North Carolina-based. Their colors are more, you know, North Carolina-based, and that's okay. To me, it was not a problem. I could, Of course, I'm a Packers fan, so what did I care? Um, but for those who are Panthers fans here in the Carolinas, the location, to me, should not have impacted your fandom if you're a south carolinian and you jumped on with the panthers when they arrived the fact that they end up playing in downtown charlotte i I, you know i think you accept that uh you i love the setting and you just you know and you support the team that way um well there was no way an nfl team was going to be in south carolina we just don't have a city that size so charlotte made the perfect spot for it mm-hmm. and we're close enough to to our state i mean charlotte the uh, uptown charlotte's 30 miles maybe from the uh, south carolina border so it made perfect sense yeah yeah so again i think the setting is there is is mm-hmm. beautiful um i don't even like i mean if they had called themselves the charlotte panthers that would have been fine by me i don't like the generic you know regional names new england patriots I mean, be the Boston Patriots. That's what you were to start out, the Boston Patriots. I mean, I, I know the idea is like you know, encompass everybody in the region, make them right, feel right. part of the part of the 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 program. But um, I, I like you know identity. Now, Green Bay is the smallest professional market we have, I think, in any of the professional leagues. Uh, they don't call themselves the Wisconsin Packers; they call themselves the Green Bay Packers, and they're right there in Green Bay, and that's been their history. So. Um, well, but they weren't trying to loop in people from Minnesota or you no. know, Illinois at the time. That's no. the reason that they're. But the don't Carolina you think Panthers. if they had come out and said, we're going to get an NFL team for Charlotte, we're going to call it the Charlotte Panthers, and we want fans from North and South Carolina to support the team. If they had not made any sort of gesture towards South Carolina other than the fact that we're putting. Well, see, Jerry uh, Richardson wasn't going to do that, though, Phil. I mean, he was a guy who went to school in South Carolina. He's got a major affinity or had a major affinity for our state and mm-hmm. wanted to make sure yeah. that South Carolina was included as much as possible as North Carolina was. Yeah. 
I, I get that. I get that. And that maybe that's where they came up with the generic name. To your mm-hmm. point, Phil, exactly. though, I mean, the Braves, I would say, I would argue most folks around here are Braves fans, but, yes, they're, right. but they're in yeah. Atlanta. I mean, I'm a lifelong Braves fan, diehard Braves fan, but, yeah. but they're three hours away. They don't call them the Southeastern Braves. Yeah. But these know? days, I mean, heck, they look could at the. have at one point in time. Yeah. Look at the, these days, though, when you got 49ers playing Santa Clara, the Cowboys playing what? Fort Worth. The Braves playing Cobb County. I mean, yeah. you could go around to the all the major. Uh, major leagues in America right now, and a lot of teams, because of cost of those stadiums, aren't even in the town they represent anymore. So it's very changing landscape. Yeah. All right, thanks for the phone call. Got to hit the break. And we'll come back with more. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Uh, give us a call. Get you on the line here before we hit the top of the hour. And uh, let's see if anything else to tell you about. Um, well, we did that. Uh, our poll question of the week, 55.7% of 280 votes say the legislature needs to enact a law to make sure Clemson and South Carolina play. 28.2% say cut my taxes. 16% say no. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Football season is upon us, and that means Columbia is welcoming fans from around the corner and across the country. No matter where you're from, Gamecocks love coming together for game day energy that can only be found in South Carolina's capital city. Book hotel rooms, find pre- and post-game activities, and plan your tailgate spread with local favorites from pimento cheese to barbecue at experiencecolumbiasc.com. We'll see you soon, and go Gamecocks! Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 703- 749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. 
That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. All right, coming up on the top of the hour, we've got Chuck Talk. Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson coming up, and then uh, uh, more for you after uh, that in our second hour, including some recruiting notes. We'll have uh, updates on folks who have signed. USC women signed the guard that they had a commitment from, and also the big girl has also just signed a little while ago as she did that on her social media. Uh, media network and uh, Adele Tack, all of about six five, one of the top players in the country. Uh, Don Steady's putting together another uh, terrific class. So the flow of talent into the women's basketball program uh, will continue at South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, very, very. Well, I don't know if y'all talented. got a chance to uh, chat about it Monday, but Pat had been talking about Malaysia full Wally throughout the entire off season. I, I told saw why Monday. An amazing player. Mm. I mean, just ridiculous skills. And she's going to be fun to watch for a long time at USC. Well, she put on a show in Paris, that's for sure. And uh, they have another good opponent coming up Sunday afternoon. They play Maryland in Columbia. My favorite part was when she said that that was her favorite move in high school. Like, it was just some routine move that she does (laughs) every day like it's nothing. (laughs) All right, going to hit the break on Sports Talk, and we will be back. Phone number 888-898-2525. Chalk Talk is coming up. Recruiting and a bunch more. Don't go away. We give you two full hours. All we ask for is two hours back with us. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back. Hour number two on this Wednesday night edition of Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Don't forget to download the very free Chief Sports app. You can take that with you everywhere you go to find Sports Talk if you lose us over the airwaves. In fact, next time I see Coach Johnson, because I know that he is um, not able to handle the the new world of electronics, I'll I'll put that I'll put that on his phone for him. Of course, he has one of those flip phones. I don't know if he if that phone will actually run apps. So gotta gotta figure that out for him. Uh, with that said, let's welcome in for another edition of Chalk Talk, two of the great football minds of all time in the history of college football. They haven't named any trophies after him yet. But take my word for it, they were really, really good coaches back in the day. Uh, Ellis Johnson and Chuck Reedy joining us for Chalk Talk. Coach Johnson, good evening. How are you? Good evening. Bill, I heard your little telephone thing. I've got a great story to tell (laughs) about the cell phone guy who sold both me and Chuck an iPhone. (laughs) I do not have a flip phone. (laughs) (laughs) What's your story? 
I don't want to take up too much time. Anyhow, I went to get a new iPhone when I was living at Debbie down in Georgetown. Got to chatting with a guy, you know, in between or whatever. And he found out I was a coach. And he said, well, do you know Coach Chuck Reedy? I said, yeah, I know him pretty well. <laughs> I wasn't sure I should have told him that because I thought I was scared he was going to bring up some old stories or something. Uh-huh. Chuck and I actually bought our cell phones, our iPhones, from the same dude. Paul. That's amazing. <laughs> Paul, did you did you get yeah. a two did you get a two for one deal or something? A discount or anything? Fifty no, Chuck, Chuck pulled a deal on him so bad I think I got charged double. <laughs> uh Coach Reedy, how are you, sir? Doing great, Phil. Doing great. All right. Uh so Chuck, let's begin. Uh you know, you gotta give Clemson credit. Um they, you know, underdogs kind of back to the wall. Uh, Dabo circled the wagons, challenged everybody he could challenge, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and they changed, you know, offensively, they, they went to the ground game and they sort of made the Klubnik an observer uh, by and large, and it panned out for him. Well, I think what it proved is that if they don't beat themselves on offense, as good as their defense is, uh, they got a chance to win every game. And, and that's what they did. They didn't beat themselves offensively like they have in four other ball games. And you know, the defense played lights out. And in uh, the kicking game, really helped them as well. Uh, you know, the punter uh, Swanson. I mean, he he had a great fourth quarter. Was was uh, out of sight. But you know, uh, yeah, they ran the ball, uh, you know, fairly well. But you know, they still they were less than 300 yards on total offense. They had a couple of drives, and when they had a chance to put the ball game away in the fourth quarter, I think they had the ball four or five times at midfield and ended up you know, punting every time. And uh, all they needed was to get in field goal range to make it a two-score game and couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hats off for winning the ball game, but, you know, I, I think it was more of them just not beating themselves than it was them doing anything on offense. Something for them to build on, in your opinion? Well, it's been nine games. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, what you said, if, if, you know, if they can run the ball like they did against uh, against Notre Dame, you know, and take the pressure off of Klubnik, um, you know, that's something that certainly they can, you know, build on going forward. Uh, Ellis, uh, Jeremiah Trotter had himself a ball game. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., you probably know his dad. And he's having a great year. Uh, what do you like about him? And and what do you look for in an outstanding linebacker? What are some of the traits you look for? But but first, your thoughts on Trotter. I, I think the thing that jumps out the most about him is just his athleticism, his ability to play in space. Uh, man, boy, the kid can really run. Uh, I, th- I think sometimes they ask him to do some very difficult things. When you see some of these crossing routes coming open underneath or, or receivers coming out of the backfield, I call them skin routes or, or you know, uh, flat routes coming out uh, underneath the lineman. And, and the linebackers sometimes pick those up with the percentage of man coverage they're playing. And, and he'll sometimes lose those guys visually. But to see some of the plays he makes on them out in the open field, is, is you know, he's unbelievable. I mean, if you look for a linebacker, you look for that. And then, obviously, they have to have some speed and and, uh, and then physical length. And, and when you go to that level, power five level, and on to the NFL, everything's kind of space now. The old linebackers that weigh 235, 240, that can come downhill and blow up the fullback. 
you don't need them anymore. I mean, and most of these guys could probably do it a little bit, but they end up getting hurt. But uh, that's not what the game is anymore. But he's he's really a prototype of what I think linebackers need to be and the type of football that everybody's playing now. Clemson's defense at this stage of the season, the level of their performance, how would you how would you grade uh, coming off that Notre Dame game the level of their performance? I think they're playing really well, and I think sometimes they're having to maybe take a few too many chances because of the overall situation of their team. Uh, I've actually chatted with Wes a little bit off and on. But, uh, they play a lot of man coverage, and as a result, when a quarterback does escape the box, and even the kid from Notre Dame who was former Wake Forest quarterback, he's not a bad athlete, but he's not a runner. And uh, he's probably got better speed than people think he does, but he's not a he's not a guy you worry about beating you with his speed. And he had a he's a 35-yard run for a touchdown. And, and, and the reason some of those happen occasionally is they're having to play a huge percentage of man coverage and bring a little bit of five and six man pressure, and and that you know just to just to try to get a big play and turn the ball game around. But I mean it was it was obviously a really good game. You know, we keep forgetting this Notre Dame crowd. They might not look that good the other night, but I mean they they should have beaten Ohio State uh, if they don't get ten men on the field mm. plays in a row down the score zone, the red zone. They may beat Ohio State. And then, of course, they went out to Southern Cal and dismantled them. Mm-hmm. A lot of other teams scored a lot of points, and they beat those guys 28 points. Uh, the only loss in the conference they have uh, to the ACC opponents is Louisville. And, uh, you know, they have to play a certain number of ACC schools. That That's the only one they've lost. And Louisville's probably going to go to the playoffs now. I mean, it's been quietly number two in the conference. If they can win the ACC championship game, they might be able to, to. I don't know if they can get in. You think? You think Louisville, Chuck? Can Louisville no, make the playoffs, playoffs if they win the if they win the ACC championship? No, no. I, I mean, no. I'm talking about the ACC. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, that's still a little bit of ways to go. Yeah, but if they can hang on, I mean, they're going to play Florida State for the championship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuck to the Gamecocks. Uh, a little bit maybe too close for comfort, but a win nonetheless. They broke a four-game losing streak. Uh, they win when maybe they didn't have their, their best uh, all-around game in their various areas. Rattler was excellent. Leggett was superb. Uh, Simon came up, had some uh, big catches for him. Um, one big run from Anderson. But uh, how, how should South Carolina feel coming off that win, but other than the fact that they got a win and they broke the losing streak? Well, I mean, we're nine nine games in, and I mean, you know, really, as I said last week, not not much has changed since the first ball game. I mean, they still can't run the ball very well, and they have a hard time protecting the quarterback. They've got, I mean, uh, obviously Rattler is playing really well, and I mean, he's he's a really good player. Leggett is a, a big time player. I mean, you know, this guy. I mean, he. I don't. I mean, he must have really worked in the off season because he's built himself into you know a, an excellent player. Um, but you know, I mean, obviously, it's a win, uh, and 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 it very easily could not have been a win. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were staring at getting beat by Jacksonville State, and and you know, you get to pick six, you know, and so they come out of it with a ten point win. But and so in that regard, the the fact that it 
it was a win when it could have very easily been a loss. It would have been a devastating loss. Um, you know, you, you, you have to feel good about that. But as to where they are as a football team, you know, they've still got a long way to go. Ellis, the ongoing problem for South Carolina defense, getting off the field on third down, that was a problem against Jacksonville State again. Uh, what's the what's the issue there as you look at it? Why are they having such a difficult time? Well, Clayton White said today part of their problem is they got teams in second and long, and they're giving up too much on second down, putting them in a situation where it's third and short, and then teams are converting. So, I mean, what do you do? Well, I think it's been something different all year long, and it may have happened that way, what he's talking about on this game. But, I mean, they were a little better this game than they have been recently. I mean, almost 50%, getting close to under 50%, which is not great, but it was a little better. Uh, the problem this this game is it went back to the rushing game. You know, they were really good at, at uh, passing the secondary and all that good stuff early on, but they couldn't stop the run. Then it kind of switched in the middle of the year. They started having a problem with it, the other issues. Uh, Mississippi State came in and ran the ball on and And all of a sudden now they're giving up too many rushing yards. And some of that's because of Jacksonville State. They're not a good throwing team. But a little bit of what Chuck alluded to, I mean, Jacksonville State is moving the ball by the left, 10, 11 snaps over 50 yards, and they get down to the red zone, and all they need is three points to tie the ball game. Mm-hmm. I think the kicker's decent. He made some field goals. And and uh, they throw the ball on second down and throw a pick. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it, it, if you throw one on third or fourth down, when it's a desperation situation, you might understand it. But they threw the ball on second and 12 down there in the red zone. And it was a ball game. Yeah. So, uh, defensively, they're still struggling. I mean, we all know that. I think most of it is they just don't have a lot of great players. And they've had some, some really uh, critical injuries in the wrong spots. Depth is not good. Fatigue sets in. And, you know, they played a pretty good ball game towards the end of the game uh, yesterday. I mean, Saturday. But it just, you know, it's just average football. And I don't think it's anything particular. I could analyze i just think one thing they did this game they stopped the run just enough at some critical time to force jacksonville to have to throw a few passes and they got the picks at the end of the game and uh that that's about it i mean they, they just made a couple of stops when it's so critical well when they did fall behind with about 20 minutes to go they did shut out jacksonville state the rest of the way so you got to give the the defense some credit there yep. chuck uh so you got South Carolina now, um, and they're four. And, no, they're they're three and six with three to go. Van and I, you know these two weeks, Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt, those should be get right weeks for them. So I mean, they should be four and six after Saturday, um, and then you got Kentucky, which is going to be coming off Alabama. No telling what kind of shape they're going to be in, and then you got Clemson. Um, I mean, you think they can? Win out and get to six and six and and get to a bowl game uh, is that is that feasible for this team? No, I think it's going to be very difficult. Um, you know, I, I think Kentucky, you know, certainly is a winnable game. Um, you know, but Clemson, I mean, unless Clemson just you know, unless they come down and self destruct, you know, like they have been known to do, mm-hmm. um, I think it'll be you know very difficult for South Carolina to beat Clemson. Um, you know, not to say it can't happen, but 
you know, I think they got a tough road. Um, you know, the, the, the last two games are going to be, even though they're at home, are going to be tough ball games. Uh, Ellis, what about uh, Clemson? Of course, they're not bowl eligible yet. Uh, they're sitting on five wins. Uh, they can become bowl eligible. It's funny we're talking about Clemson. We haven't talked about Clemson in this light in like 13 years, I think, where you're worried about getting that sixth win. Uh, but that's where they are. They are where they are. Uh, what do you think down the stretch here they can do, and, and what can Dabo make of this season moving forward, in your opinion? Well, I, I think they, you know, this, the bowl game is the one thing that carrot they can hang out there and work for. I mean, they haven't been in this situation very much. I thought what they did against Notre Dame shows that he's definitely still got control of the locker room. And uh, so they, you know, and Georgia Tech's a better football team this year. Mm-hmm. I think they got a quarterback from Texas A&M. I don't know where he transferred from. But uh, you you can t- pick up on the portal. I can't keep up with it. But uh, they're concerned about his athleticism, how he can beat you with his feet. Uh, they've had some issues with that, you know, having to pressure man, as I said before. they got good running backs. they got two pretty good wide outs out on the edges. I mean, it's going to be a, a tougher game than they probably thought it would you know, coming into the season. And, and then, you know, after that, they still like to trust it. They've just got to play better football, quit turning the football over. Uh, you know, they they should be undefeated right now. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but they should be undefeated right now. They just beat a football team that's probably better than everybody else on their schedule other than Florida State. And they had Florida State on the ropes and screwed it up. So they know it's been a, you know, it's been suicide by a thousand cuts and they just got to finish. Uh, they're relatively healthy right now, and they've been pretty lucky with that, I guess, through the season. But they got three tough ones. Georgia Tech's better than people think they are. North Carolina's a good football team, a lot of talent. And it's always hard for them to beat Carolina at Williams Bryce. So, you know, they don't need what, one more to go to their bowls. Yeah, but let me say this. Let me say this. I mean, they started fumbling the football from the get go, from the Duke game. And Absolutely. now it is, now they're nine games in, and they're still playing loosey-goosey with the football. It almost cost them against Notre Dame. I mean, absolutely. can't you fix I mean, how do you how do you, can't you fix that during a season or is it not fixable? Well, I mean, you can improve and you can work on it and uh, you know, Chuck said it the other day. You make it a priority. You either take care of the football or you don't get the football. And sometimes you you know, you you start looking at what people do with yardage and everything else, and you think they're a great player, and they're not taking care of the football, and it's killing the football team. And it's not the same guy every time. So, But, again, I think I said the other, last week, they, they've not penalized very much. They're a very disciplined football team, mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit. So I go back. I don't think it's coaching. I know for a fact they do ball security drills two days a week. Anytime I get shoulder pads or more on, they do some physical ball control drills ball security drills and it, but they get in the game and I don't I think sometimes I just have to say it's it particular players uh, you know don't secure the football in critical time the one the other day with Moffa he doesn't need those extra yards in that situation they're up by eight he's up in the box he's getting contact just you know get what you can but you don't be struggling and have people tugging on your arms all over the place uh, it just it's just not smart football. And one of the plays they put it on the ground and they were lucky enough to get back. I've seen it run by a lot of people, but it's not a play you run when you have some ball security problems. Little fake zone inside zone and they go through the quick pitch outside and they put it on the ground. 
don't why you run that play right there? You don't need that play. I mean, just run the ball up in the box and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Coaches Ellis Johnson and Chuck Reedy with us here on Sports Talk. And guys, uh, just switching notes here a bit, or switching course a bit, this is more of a national story, but Michigan. What's been going on up there, the sign-stealing scandal. We keep having more and more news coming out. Today, Greg Doyle of the Indy Star has announced publicly for some reason that he's not going to be giving his Heisman vote to Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy. And in his words, he is saying this, that he thinks that somebody has to pay the price, and this is the only punishment he can do. So he's enacting this punishment on Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy. Michigan has received word of potential findings coming down from the Big Ten allegations. It sounds almost like they are going to be issuing some kind of punishment soon. From a coaching perspective, if you guys are able or willing to talk about it, just want to know your thoughts, again, from a coaching perspective on this whole scandal. Chuck. I think it's a bunch of bulls. I mean, I... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, please go ahead. You're, you're, you, you jumped offside. You were, you were in the you were in the neutral zone. You were in the neutral zone. But go ahead. I was the last talking. And when you asked, I thought he was talking. I'm sorry. But hey, I just want to remind all y'all: the very first show, Phil, you asked us for our our project, projected four man playoff team, mm-hmm. and I led off with Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan was my first one. Well, then I said Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's all a bunch of bull crap. And they're finding out now that other teams in the conference were, you know, helping each other with signals and stuff. But the one thing is some guy goes on the road and buys tickets and goes to other people's games and uses cell phones or some kind of thing to film it. And, and that's crossing the line. Give them a, a $2 million fine and let's move on. And whoever a Heisman voter is says he's going to penalize a kid on the team for that. Yeah, yeah. They ought to take his vote away. Okay? Yeah, take his vote away. You know that's just that's called cl- that's you, job. You probably don't he know don't this word. He don't work for the NCAA. You, you probably don't know this word, but it's called clickbait. Okay, it's called clickbait. That's where somebody puts something out on social yeah, I got media. Another word for it, but I can't say it. I want to run his exact quote, Coach, was, quote, this is not J.J. McCarthy's fault, but thanks to the Michigan coaching staff, he will pay the price, at least on my ballot, because unlike Jim Harbaugh, I plan to sleep tonight with a clear conscience. Mm. Chuck, what do you think? Uh, well, I think Ellis nailed it all pretty good, but um, first of all, yeah, that's absurd. The the writer, that I mean, that's ridiculous. But, um, you know, I, I can't – I just can't imagine – I mean, they've got, you know, they got a great program. I mean, they, they've had two really good years, beat Ohio State. they got everything going their way. Why in, in the world would you jeopardize all that? Um, you know, I, I just can't, I can't believe that, that, that Harbaugh would, could have been involved. Uh, I mean, I just, uh, it makes no sense, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, it'll all come out. But, um, you know, again, I mean, hope, you know, we don't be jumping to conclusions until we know exactly what happened. Well, I mean, their defense seems to be, hey, everybody was doing it, and so just don't single us out. Uh, they're, they're saying, in, as part of their defense, now, they're not saying that other people had a little scheme going where they had a staffer going and scouting games in person, but what they're saying is other staffs – that they played would then tell staffs of future opponents, give them their signals whenever they had learned in preparing for Michigan, 
you know, they were sharing that information. They see that in the same light as what they're being accused of. But, Chuck, isn't that pretty routine of, of staffs sharing information about future opponents? Or are we wrong there? No, you do share. I mean, obviously, you know, it depends on you don't share it with people that, that, you're, that you're playing. I mean, you know, there's, you, you don't share everything. But, you know, uh, I, people are always trying to, to steal signals. I mean, you know, I, I can remember where, I mean, we've, we've had guys, when, when I was at Clemson, we had guys in the box that that's what they were doing one thing. They were watching the, the offense coordinator, you know, mm-hmm. watching him do his signals. And, and, you know, and I can remember during games when I can remember them saying, we've got them, man. We know exactly. We know when they're going to throw. We know what, you know, they, I mean, you know, whether we did or not, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, that's gone on forever. Yeah. And, you know, now this is taking it to an extreme if, if indeed it's true. But, you know, sure, everybody's, you know, you're trying to get the signals. If you can get them, you're going to get them. Let me ask you both this, uh, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson. We could do this all night. Uh, you guys got about three or four more hours. We'll just keep doing this until. No, I, I know you go to bed early. Both of you go to bed early. You say that every week. You say that, and then you cut us off at twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Do you it's think you'd have to pay us? You know? do, do you both of you? Do you think if if um, if Alabama wins out? Uh, and, and beats Georgia, are they getting in the the playoff? They're in. Yes. They're in. Yeah. So you'll have uh, – and Georgia goes undefeated but loses to Alabama. Both of them get in? I don't know. Now, that depends on how many other undefeated teams there are. Yeah. But I've been – he's talking about a If Washington and Florida State and and uh, Michigan or Ohio State, they're all undefeated. And Georgia and Alabama sitting at one loss each. I don't know. It'd, it'd be interesting. I guess it depends on who's in the room. <laughs> it depends on who's in the room. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. I think Ellis is right. If, if we're three undefeated and and yeah. and one, you know, the winner of that game will get in, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I don't think they're going to, you know, they're going to take a one-loss Georgia in that scenario over an undefeated conference champion. Mm-hmm. That will create a. Uh, a brouhaha for sure uh, in the in the world of college football, conversation-wise. Guys, as always, we appreciate it. We will let you go uh, bed down for the night. Uh, Chuck, thank you. Uh, Ellis, take your Geritol, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Lunch is coming. I've tried a couple of times. You're hard to hard man to pin down. Keep going. we got 30 more seconds. <laughs> no, we're done. Thanks, guys. We've only got 10 more seconds. Thank you, fellas. Have a great night. We'll be back. Sports Talk. Got a special guest coming up. More as special as these guys. Be right back. All right. Thanks again to uh, Coach Reedy and Coach Johnson for being with us. Another great addition of Chalk Talk here on Sports Talk. I think it's just a bunch of bull crap. They can deliver. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, John uh, Ellis was on his game, wasn't he? A bunch of bull crap. That was great. <laughs> All right. Um, I mentioned another special guest coming up. This was kind of thrown together at the last moment as we exchanged emails and put things together, but we're very proud of the fact that we're able to bring this next guest uh, to everybody. He is a former Clemson basketball great, Grayson Marshall. You might recall him as a very slick handling, big-time scoring point guard for the Tigers. A few years ago, not going to date him, but a few years ago, and now, among other things, he is involved in men's mental health. Men's Mental Health Month is now, and coming up next week at Clemson, he's going to be part of an event entitled Manicure, Healing the Hurt Men Hide. This is an event dedicated to addressing the emotional well-being of men, and uh, and Grayson is involved with this event. It's going to be taking place at Clemson on November 17th. And to tell us more about it, let's welcome in the man himself who can still dish it left and right, I'm sure, Grayson Marshall, joining us here on Sports Talk. It's great to have you with us once again. How are you? Thank you so much, Phil. I appreciate it. This is an absolute uh awesome time for me and i just appreciate you uh giving me a few minutes to share it absolutely man it's the least we can do you 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 got a cause here that maybe a lot of people don't even think about like a man you know men are under certain pressures right we're supposed to act and behave a certain way we're not supposed to show a soft side and emotional side is this kind of where you're going with this thing absolutely and then some i think that um especially i'll take it from a sports standpoint we literally grew up in a world in a time where all we did was rub some dirt on it. No matter what happened to us, whether that was a disappointing loss, a challenging uh, injury, or anything that we faced, it was just man up and keep doing it. And what we tend to do is we tend to overlook our response to that challenge. Men are supposed to persevere. We're supposed to be in a different light. And supposed to able, we're supposed to be able to handle all the pressures that life brings to us. But we're human. And what I found is that we give acknowledgement to everybody else and everything else. But for some reason, men seem to just be expected to handle those things. And the result of it is devastating. When you look at the rate of suicide, you look at the rate of um, fathers leaving homes and marriages breaking up. I think it's all a part of that. But what we want to make sure that we do is really address men and give them a safe place to have a conversation to talk about what's going on but also don't allow them to use the narrative of today's world to be as an excuse for them not holding up to their responsibility because there, there is a lot of responsibility um, that we are responsible for to whom much is given, much is required and of him will much be asked. And we still have to maintain that. We still are responsible for leading our homes and leading our communities. And I think that we need to know how to do that because the landscape is different in 2023. How did you, get on this track how did you get involved with this cause you know i think working with athletes transitioning out of sports moved into me working with people in the main sector of business ceos that were losing their jobs um fathers that were being um un, uh, unfairly judged when it came to their kids i think being an assist guy is all i've ever been wired to do hmm. so always looking for an opportunity to help and really um, and be center for so many people. My faith uh, stands firm. And it's the foundation for everything that I do. So after being in ministry for a long time 
and after being a supportive person for people going through these things, when I looked at it and I saw it, I saw there was an, a major need here. There's a lot of uh, people who want to acknowledge what men are going through, but not a lot of them are willing to talk about it. Not a lot, a lot of them are willing to empathetically challenge them to being the best version of themselves. And that's what manicure is about, presenting the best version of yourself. And we want that in every aspect, financially, mentally, emotionally, physical, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. So we want to deal with the whole entire man. And again, obviously, with my faith being what it is, it, there's so much biblical foundation to it. Um, with, with the absence of religion, we just want to hold them to a standard and keep them accountable when it comes to being the best them, best of version of themselves. Sure. Clemson's career leader in assists. He helped his teammates on the floor, now helping men off the court. Grayson Marshall joins us here on Sports Talk. And Grayson, you talked about beginning the conversation. And normally when you ask a man, how you doing? The answer is, I'm fine, regardless Absolutely. of whether or not they're actually fine. So how do you right. start that conversation? How does this help men sort of break out of that mold and, and talk about what they're feeling? I think being vulnerable and transparent myself, being able to share everything that I've gone through in life from homelessness to um, successful business, failed business, uh, failed marriage, uh, being able to be transparent. I think what men mostly are in search of is someone that can just be real, be authentic, and, and be vulnerable. And I think that's what I've never been ashamed to be. You know, you can't be afraid to be and have an emotional uh, part of your life that you're willing to, to share. And once we get into a life, for me, centered centered in the things of Christ, when I look at the gratitude that I've, uh, I have, the grace that I've been given, and the things that God has brought me through, kept me away from, and added to my life, it's real easy. It's real easy to talk about all the good that's there. And it really is. It feels about changing the way that I think, having a different mindset about it. I don't look at things the same way, and I encourage people not to. Um, fortunately for me, being a point guard, being a quarterback, being a coach, I seem to have a way to persuade them into looking at themselves in a positive way. So let's look at what you're going through, but let's get a different perspective on it. Not a right or wrong one, just a different one. Let's just look at it, see if this fits, see if this makes sense. If we're, if we're still looking at the same lens, we'll never get a new perspective. And all I do is bring them a different perspective. When we started in 84, they were coming off of um, the Bill Foster way of doing basketball. And Coach Ellis brought in our mission as transition, hmm. and we kind of introduced Little John to a different way of doing things. And it was a tremendous success for a number of years, and I think that's the same thing I do now. I'm introducing people to a different way to look at stuff um, with the same foundational principles that are non-negotiable, but just looking at it a different way. And what I found is they said, well, you know, this makes a lot of sense. I try to keep it simple and something applicable that they can actually go and do. And that's what's been uh, the reason for the success. Grayson, I work with Coastal now, and I get a chance to uh, visit and talk with Coach Ellis often. I'm, I'm interested in, from your perspective, having played for him, what kind of impact has he had on your life, and, and how much was he able to help you maybe once you got out into the real world and, and face some of the struggles that you pointed out a few minutes ago? I think, I think what Coach Ellis has always been able to do is be a sounding board uh, of consistency, He's going to do things the right way, a good way, and he's going to give you a chance to be who you need to be. I think the flexibility that I had and the trust that was built um, from our relationship was key to me continuing to grow. One of the things I talk about when we deal with hurting, healing the hurt men high, hurt is an acronym. And the H is for healing, the U is for understanding, the R is for rewiring or literally retraining the mind, and the T is for trust. 
And one of the things, Phil, that most men struggle with is trust. And I share this all the time with athletes. Isn't it amazing the trust that goes on amongst team members but seems to fade away after we've gotten out of sports? They don't trust anybody anymore. And it's one of the things that uh, I believe uh, sports is challenged with now with this um, transfer portal and the lack of accountability when it comes to our decisions. The locker room isn't as safe as it used to be. It used to be a safe place where you trusted everybody, but when folks are coming and going and you really don't know who's going to stay or, or leave, it changes that whole attitude. And I think men have a hard time with really trusting. They don't know who to trust because the concept of sports has been embedded in for so long they don't know how to adjust to the real world. And what they've done is they found out that the people that lauded them and applauded them as athletes might not have the same level of interest post their careers. So now they don't know who to trust. The structure and system that they so dependent on is no longer there. And ultimately, they don't trust themselves. So we, we find a way to build that up in them and talk about that because it, it is a, an immediate fact for them, and it's something that they have to face. But as men, because they don't want to share it, they don't want to express that they may have a need. And we make it simple for them to do by expressing our own testimonies and what we did to get through, come back, and be resilient and win. Awesome, man. Just simply awesome. And not surprised at all that you're a leader in this movement because, I mean, from the moment you stepped on the court at Clemson uh, in 84, you were a leader. How can people uh, get to this? Uh, Where do they get more information? Uh, Give us a little bit of details about the event next week. So it's it's, um, Friday, November 17th. This is the last Friday before the last home game against UNC. We're actually going to be doing it at the Clemson Area African American Museum. And we kind of picked that place because nobody even knows it knows it exists. We literally mm-hmm. were in in a um, in a mindset to really bring light to that. And it's funny because folks have been saying, "Grace, I didn't even know it was there." Well, I think it kind of is reminiscent of what men are going through. Men, people don't even know what men are going through. So we're putting it in this place. Uh, Carl Sharperson, who's actually one of the highlighted um, members of the uh, museum, is going to be opening and sharing for me in the beginning. But it's going to be there uh, at 6.30, 8.30. Uh, I've got some phenomenal sponsors. Uh, Rhett Rutland um, out of uh, out of um, Rock Hill, mm-hmm. um, State Farm, uh, Tigertown Graphics, um, uh, Julie Ibrahim, uh, let's see, um, Jim Oswald at, uh, at um, Palmetto um, Smokehouse and Oyster Bar. Uh, who am I forgetting? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Uh, oh, um, Wheel and Growl, uh, Arden Wheeler, Alden Wheeler at the Wheel and Growl uh, Cigar Bar in Anderson, one of the best cigar bars I've ever been to. And um, my man Brian Taylor with Allstate. So I've got some phenomenal, phenomenal sponsors um, that are uh, – that are. Uh, oh, and Hendrix Auto, Hendrix, um, um, Hendrix Honda out of Easley. I forgot about them. So, hmm? Yeah. So go to bsblueprint.com. That's my, that's my my girlfriend telling me what what I need to do. Yeah. Go to um go to www.bsbsandboy.com. It's a no cost event, Phil, so they can bring any and everybody. It's for men and women, mm. so we really focus on the men. But I think what needs to happen as well is that women need to really understand what men go through. Now there are a lot of women who really are supportive of what goes on, but there are a lot of women who just don't understand. And they they confuse the man's um, distance at times or his lack of uh, conversation. 
as something that's negative, and he's just really processing things. So we talk about all those things. We talk about fitness. We talk about living healthy. Um, that is a, that is a, an important thing for me to deal with men on because we have to do a better job of those things. So we really take things to a, a straight in-your-face conversation, uh, never to reduce, only to enhance, and only to make the opportunity for their the rest of their lives better because it's not over. It's never over until you actually are no longer here. So, yeah, bsblueprint.com. The tickets are no cost, but they do need to register. So go on and, uh, and get the tickets. And, again, women, men, um, young men, bring them all. We want to talk to everybody. Well, we congratulate you on what you're doing, man, and uh, best of luck. Uh, great connecting with you again. You were fabulous to to deal with at Clemson. Fun to watch. You are always uh, wonderful with the media and you haven't lost that at all so anytime anytime you need something from us you know how to find us let's do it thank you phil i appreciate it thank you everybody go tigers okay man thank you one of the best they ever put on the uniform at clemson no question about it grayson marshall and uh yeah what a player and now fascinating story given his sad story it is some regards he went through some tough times and uh he's found something though you know he's found something to to drive him and motivate him, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's fantastic. So good luck with that. Going to hit the break, uh, and, and when you see Cliff, tell him we talked to Grayson. He'll get I a kick out of that. will. Yeah. I think I may send this interview over to Coach. Let him hear it. Oh, he would like that, yeah. I, I think so, too. I would imagine. Okay, we're going to hit the break and come back with some uh, recruiting tonight, and then we can uh, wrap it up with some calls if you uh, have anything else you want to add to the program. And that phone number. 888-898-2525. Back in a smidgen. Hi, it's Phil Kornblut of the Sports Talk Media Network. We love our high school football in South Carolina, and we love bringing you the scores every Friday night. From 10 to midnight, we check in on every region across the state with live reports and coaches' interviews. So whether you're in your car after a game or lounging in your den, be sure to dial up the Founders Federal High School Scoreboard Friday nights, right here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar in training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. 
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Investing can be like a puzzle. There's so many pieces to consider, and it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. Call 866-739-7064 or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn more about how we can help you take the first step to Towards reaching your financial goals. Securities offered through LPL Financial. This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win fifty, seventy-five, dollars dollars or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much. So get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitment that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges and Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217 for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seacattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. All right, let's give you the recruiting report brought to you by Seawells. Reminder, no Seawells buffet tomorrow. Closed for a private function that I don't think any of us were invited to. So, we so will just not don't leave there. the house tomorrow. Just stay home. Just stay, stay home. home. But Friday, Friday, we have a what? We have a what, Pat? We have a what? RBF, Roast Beef Friday. Shout out Andy, along with Southern Fried Chicken and Fried Pork Chops. And gravy. 
Can't forget the gravy, along with all your local farm fresh veggies for a little bit longer while we got a little more warm weather, Mm -hmm. salad bar, and dessert. Veggies grown right in South Carolina, I'm sure. And the number for Seawells to get in touch with them to help you out with that catering deal that you might need. That's 803-771-7385 online. Seawells, cateringsc.com. So... 2025 defensive tackle, Asaya Allen Hammond, 6'5", 275, Baltimore. Just got offered by South Carolina, never visited. They looked at film. Pete Limbo and Travian Robertson, they looked at his film. They determined he's SEC quality. They offered him. They offered him yesterday through a phone conversation. They like his size and his length. And he's a run stopper, he said, but he can get to the quarterback. He also has offers from Boston College, Virginia Tech, James Madison, Kent State, and Charlotte. He hasn't visited South Carolina, but he's going to try to. Got to get with his family and work some things out. But he said he was super happy to get an SEC offer. He thinks he can compete with some work. He he says he's still got to get better and train and all that, but he thinks he can play in the SEC. No favorites or anything like that at this point. 50 tackles this season, a sack, and about a half dozen hits on the quarterback. USC running back target Daniel Hill, Meridian, Mississippi, has set January 6th for his announcement date during the All-American game telecast on NBC. Tennessee and Alabama are the other finalists. He took officials to USC and Alabama in June, made one to Tennessee in September. Not been back to USC, though he has said, He'd like to visit again before the end of the season. Has been back to Alabama for a game this season. And uh, he's acknowledged that his father wants him to go to Alabama. But, but maybe not so much him. From what we're told, South Carolina has a very good chance here still, despite the fact that it's been a long process. The kid has said he wants to go someplace where he can change the program. Not going to change Alabama unless it's going to take him down. Alabama, that's for sure. Clemson target offensive tackle Andrew Dennis, Mount Pleasant, Michigan, going to announce at the All-American game. Former Michigan State commits, will visit Penn State this weekend, has an official to Illinois for November 25th. Would imagine he might try to get to Clemson at some point. USC target 2025 tight end Marshall Pritchett was at Michigan last weekend. He was at USC in October, plans to be back for the Clemson game. Clemson in the top 12 with 2025 safety Anquan Fagans of Oxford, Alabama. 2025 receiver Malik Clark of Rock Hill was offered by Nebraska and Maryland going to Liberty this weekend. 2025 corner Cam Strong of T.L. Hanna offers from Duke, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Charlotte, Georgia State, NC State, and USF. 2025 corner Onis Conanbani of Heathwood Hall, was offered by NC State. Also has North Carolina, Oregon, Duke, Florida, UConn, Charlotte, Syracuse, USF, LSU. 2025 receiver Boykin Bickley of Dutch Fork, also a baseball prospect. 25 defensive tackle Sterling Sanders and 26 defensive end Ahmad Scott, all from in-state, plan to visit USC Saturday. 25 receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview was offered by NC State, going to Florida State Saturday. Gray Collegiate defensive back Ryland Cunningham accepted a PWO offer from Coastal. 
Signings today, USC women, 6'5", Adele Tack, 5'9", Madison McDaniel. USC men, 6'9", Oku Federico has been announced. They still have another commitment to sign. Clemson signed Ace Buckner, Dallas Thomas. They still have Dell Jones to sign. Clemson women signed Imani Berry. And also they signed 6'2", Morgan Miller. And we're signing off. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Good to have you with us. Absolutely. Stop by and stay with us uh, longer tomorrow. I will, and I'll be here Friday, too. Woo! And thank you, Pat. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.